Hello and welcome to Shaman Sisters Sessions, episode 35, Patterns of Addiction. I'm Michelle Hawk, and I am here with my shaman sister, Catherine Bird. This podcast arose out of our conversations. Pat and I have known each other for a few years now. We are fellow seekers on the path, and we love to get together and talk about what are we finding in the world of spirituality, shamanism, what's coming up for us personally and professionally as we do this work in the world and as we step into it every day in a bigger, more expansive way. We eventually decided, hey, some of the stuff we're talking about is pretty interesting. Maybe other people would like to hear it too. Thus, Shaman Sister Sessions was born. We're having these same conversations, but now making them available to you, the public. Today, we're speaking about patterns of addiction. This was coming up pretty strongly during the last new moon. We had a the new moon in Leo, the first of two new moons in Leo on Saturday. And this has been coming up for rather a while, but in a really concentrated dose, especially in this new moon. And we're going to get into why, what are some of the relate, uh, you know, how are these energies related to the lunar cycle? Also looking at patterns of addiction, especially those prevalent in healer types uh, and empaths. What, what are these addictions that we have that maybe keep us from doing the work and how are they really, really relevant to us collectively? What are the implications for society? How do we recognize them and move through them in a healthy way? Thank you for joining us. Kat, how are you doing? Hi, Michelle. I'm doing amazing and great. Just coming off of a big retreat weekend, which was incredible, my Light Warrior retreat, and preparing for my healer's process retreat this weekend coming up. Mm -hmm. Just a total crazy thing to be doing, but <laughs> um, yeah, things are, are really good. Awesome. Glad to hear it. You're a little bit quiet. Can you either move your microphone or sit a little closer? Yeah, I just, I have a thing here. I don't usually have, and it's actually too big for me to move. <laughs> a big, gotcha. Big thing awesome. Here. Okay. Um, is that better? Yes. All right. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Patterns of addiction. I'm kind of curious. You sent me that article that I thought was great. I know that you and I have both worked through this personally as well as supporting our clients in their own patterns of addiction and delving into discovering, uncovering, getting to the root, and then eradicating them. What are some of the, first of all, what are we talking about when we're talking about addiction? Are we talking about alcoholism? Are we talking about opiate addiction, all of the above, and all the other stuff? Well, I think we're talking about everything, right? Like, we are not immune um, as practitioners or healers or people who are on this path of consciousness. We are so not immune. Sometimes we beat the shit out of ourselves and even sabotage our careers because we have this you know, addiction that maybe we don't want to confront or we're not comfortable with, you know, like, well, if, if I have this horrible thing, that's, that's this thing, like, who am I? Right. Um, but we know that a great majority of people are living with, um, addiction, like multiple, multiple addictions that we're dealing with and it can be anything. Um, it can be, you know, it can be the big, like, heavy hitters that everybody thinks of, of alcohol or opioids or uh, uh, tobacco, 
but also looking at things like sugar and shopping and uh, social media and um, you know all of the the other things that are maybe a little bit almost more insidious because they're so socially acceptable that even in the realms of conscious living we can get addicted I mean we can even there's a lot of us that are totally addicted to like um, you know eating so healthily and being so precise with what we're putting in our bodies and so rigid and and just like we're almost like have this addiction towards you know fasting or you know like i i've met people who have unhealthy attachments to certain spiritual beliefs or, or even practices that can actually be a, a health detriment um or detriment to their energy system so it, it can be so many things and I think that when we when we start to become more conscious, we start to uh, do more reflection, we start to become more aware, and we become aware of the more and more subtle parts of us that have these things going on. And then you add in maybe going through the processes of fasting and uh, you know doing medicine work, doing um, you know going and, and doing sweat lodges and and, and these different you know, meditation retreats where sort of things are taken away and we realize, oh my gosh, I actually do have a big, like, this is a thing. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that I was so addicted to sugar until I decided to do this fast. And now I realize like, this is actually a big part of my life. Right. I think the patterns of behavior really are mostly what we'll be talking about today and patterns of behavior, addictive ideas, and addictive practices that aren't necessarily super obvious. Mm -hmm. One of the terms in, in doing a little bit of poking around and reading that article uh, and some other sources as well, looking at addiction as a ritualized comfort seeking behavior. Mm -hmm. And this article was referencing specific substance, uh, substance abuse spectrum of addiction. And yet, doesn't that same term apply when we're thinking about patterns of behavior prevalent, addictive patterns of behavior that are prevalent, especially in healer type communities or in, in these, you know, our circles where we're practitioners, right? So let's get into a little bit of what are some of these? You threw out some really great examples of, you know, the social media, there's yeah, a whole screen time. Ritualized self-soothing, right? It's, yeah. that is such a, such a, a right on um, phrase for us to be looking at that we ritualize these ways to self-soothe ourselves and um, this uh, work was uh, done by a very prominent addiction specialist who's been working in the field for a very long time really coming into the fact that we're self-soothing that it's not that we're sick it's not that we're crazy it's not that we're broken we've just figured out a way to soothe ourselves because maybe we you know generally we're coming from like we're all have you know post-traumatic stress we're all uh, having like so many things that happened in our lives all of these events of the way that we were raised in our families and maybe things that happened in school and dealing with divorce and and money issues in our families and and neglect and sexual trauma, all of these different things can add up to the need to self-soothe. And so it's 
sometimes we really beat the shit out of ourselves and think that we're we're bad, we're wrong, we're crazy, we're <laughs> we're broken, and we're just trying to soothe ourselves. So yeah. We were asking like what are what are some of the what are some of the things that we're soothing with? Yeah. The the self-soothing, the self-comforting, it can be a little bit uh one of those Oh, I can't really think of the word right now. Counterintuitive, right? We pick these means of creating comfort in our lives that aren't actually healthy or comfortable for our system. So compromising our systems, you know, um, you know, looking to numb or looking to step away or looking to separate ourselves from these traumas, from whatever it is that we're not happy with, whatever it is that we're um, that we experienced in our childhood, and we're looking to distance ourselves as much as possible. Or even, quite frankly, the reality of the world today can be kind of overwhelming, right? And so we take these measures to create separation, to create comfort, self-soothing, or to put the world or put our lives in a more understand understandable, manageable context that we get to control, that we get to dictate with our ideas, with our patterns. Some of the, uh, and so I'll, I'll just reference very briefly, because I do think it's super interesting and relevant, the lunar implications. So I did an event on Sunday evening that was a part education, part channeling, part healing event. If you're in Portland and you'd love to come, the next one is in two weeks for the full moon. Message me if you're interested. This was around, we had the first of two new moons in Leo. The second one is the big juicy eclipse that's coming up in August. This one was around a lot of the energetic themes were around releasing these patterns of addiction, releasing addictive ideas, beliefs, whatever we have in our lives that is preventing us from being completely in alignment with our self-love and sovereignty. So that come eclipse time next month, where I bet we'll be doing our episode about that, so you can stay tuned, uh, we can fully claim that medicine, that self-love and sovereignty. Addiction is the thing that really separates us from our self-love and sovereignty. It's the thing that, you know, if we aren't connected to that self-love, it is so much easier for us to fall into our addictive patterns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Michelle, do you have any um, addictions? I'm just going to list out ourselves real quick. Do you have any, like, addictions that maybe you've been working through or worked through in the past or had, like, like oh, this is super uncomfortable. I just realized that this is a thing for me. Yeah, I had two that came up really strongly pretty recently, actually, which is another reason why I'm so excited about this. I didn't even know that I had these. And, you know, so they can be that sneaky, that insidious. I do a lot of work on myself. I spend a lot of time, you know, analyzing my own patterns of behavior. And yet these were new. These were revelations. Uh -huh. One of which I am betting that many, many, many of our healer friends and practitioner friends have this same addiction. So this is my favorite one to share first. This addiction came to light that I am addicted to suffering as a part of the healing process. Right. I see you laughing at me. Yeah. I'm addicted to suffering as part of the healing process where part of me believed, I feel as though I'm stepping out of it. It's still there's work being done but I'm able to recognize it now that part of me does believe that the lessons that come from deep suffering are way better than the lessons that come from an easy situation. So over the years I have 
consistently put myself in really harmful situations. I have put myself in through all sorts of shit in the name of suffering because I thought that the lessons were totally worth it. And they were. And yet that mode of learning and healing is no longer relevant for me. Yeah. I've graduated from the school of suffering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge one for us to mention for our healers and practitioners, because this is a big one for us and also a big one for our clients. I know we had a conversation just last night about someone that was going to work with you who the whole vibe was, you know, really that he, this person needed to go and do some big, huge thing because it was like that the, the healing work that needed to be done needed to be attached to something that was super hard and really intense and like a lot of suffering. And, um, I I think that's really common in our clients. And I know I'll just say that for men, this seems to be even more prevalent doing the men's work that I've done hitting up against like healing can be easy. This can be fast. This can be, you know, we can move through this really quick, comfortable, comfortable. There's so much resistance there. It's like, no, it's gotta be hard. It's gotta hurt. It's gotta take a long time. I've got to work really hard at this. Um, and that is something that we will hit up against with our clients. And maybe we've reached a place where we're like, you know what? It's just easy. We're just going to allow flow. And there's a lot of resistance there, which can be a challenge when we're working with people who have this as a, as a deep seated belief. And some of us as practitioners are, you know, addicted in that way. Um, you know, I'll just say that a lot of our practitioners and healers are really addicted to, uh, workshops and learning and in a way that is serving them. Like I'm taking this work, I'm integrating it fully. I'm, I'm weaving it into my work and I'm putting it out there, but like, I'm not enough. I, this makes me feel good to go to this thing and learn this thing. And I'm not actually really doing the practices or I'm not actually really doing it, but it makes me feel good to be in this space with these people and learning this thing. And then I kind of just like float around and find the next thing, the next weekend and the next weekend and the next weekend. Um, mm-hmm. which let's talk about that. Cause there are a few roots there and you know, of, of a few different addictive tendencies and just to wrap up on the suffering, you know, I think, um, we live in a culture that glorifies pain and glorifies suffering. So this I know is absolutely not unique to healer types. Uh, you know, kind of think about that for yourself of what about what beliefs do you hold about the healing process in general? And is addiction to suffering something that you'd like to look at in yourself? Kat, I think the example that you just brought up is huge and super important. Oh, sorry. What? Well, I was just going to say something. Just in this, uh, another piece about this thing about suffering is that we see this also, um, in context of medicine work and the journey work, you know, in shamanic work. Uh, you know, sweat lodges, going to these things that are very hard on the body. They, they, they take a lot out of us to, to put our bodies through these things where we're fasting and we're taking medicine and we're staying up all night and we're doing all of this stuff. And sometimes in the midst of that, there are a lot of beliefs, especially people kind of coming into that work where they're like, well, if I don't, if I don't purge and violently like vomit and like cry and, and uh, have a horrible time, it, 
it wasn't worth it. It didn't work. I didn't get as much out of it as I could have gotten out. Like if they just have a nice, easeful, gentle experience afterwards, I've had, I've seen people kind of reflect like, uh, did I do it wrong? Um, did I get stuff out of it? Like, was that effective? You know, are you describing, you're describing my experience. Were you doing that on purpose? <laughs> Which is why not, not, not that I, Wait, I didn't hear what you said. What? There's a little bit of that uh, realization around, you know, that yeah, hard, right? Yeah. Well, so that's wh exactly where this addiction arose in my awareness. Kat basically just told you this story, but I'll tell. Are you just breaking up a tiny? During bit? which a lot of people were experiencing some pretty deep suffering. Okay. Right. Okay. Um. A lot of people were suffering. A lot of people were not doing well. I felt totally fine. I was looking around and, you know, kind of watching everybody just be miserable. And immediately, I had all this anxiety about, is it working? Am I doing it wrong? Is the healing going as deep? And I heard spirit tuned in and told me, we're not going to make you suffer because you need to release your addiction to suffering. You're already really good at suffering. You need to learn that healing that comes with ease and grace is actually way more valid than healing that comes from suffering. You need to release this addiction for you, for everybody in this room, and for the whole planet. And from then on, I was totally cool. I was like, okay, great. I'm just, I'm dropping in just as deeply, just without all of the pain and misery that's coming with it. So I definitely got a lot out of my healing experience and, um, and I, I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, it was easy. That doesn't mean, you know, that means it didn't do anything. I definitely, uh, received a lot from that, but that's exactly where this addiction came to light. Healing that comes with ease and grace is actually just as valid, actually more valid than healing that comes from suffering. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Again. I think that's a, a very important one that we, that we need. Gold star especially for all people in our community. Let's go back to the workshop thing. I love that you brought that up. There are, uh, let's, and let's pull out a few of the addictive underlying beliefs and traits that are present in that compulsive workshop attendance. It really is kind of a compulsion, right? It's a ritualistic, self-soothing, comfort-seeking behavior. Attending self-development workshops, attending uh, to learn different practices. One of the things that you brought up that I think is super important is I'm not enough or I'm not good enough. I need to keep learning. My skills aren't developed yet. I think this is super relevant for everybody in our field. There's that when will I be qualified enough or I need to keep learning or I don't know as much as this person and I need to keep adding to my knowledge. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Yeah. And when, when we tune in and our, you know, our desire to learn is coming from that place, then that's maybe a sign that we need to do a little bit of that inner work on self-love, on doing inner child work, on, you know, being enough. Because when we are learning from a desire of like, oh my God, this feels so good. I love it so much. I'm just so excited to be here and I'm going to take all this and I'm going to weave it into my life. Um, it's a different feeling and I think that we get more out of it. Absolutely. The integration of the learning 
rather than just hopping from one cool thing to the next, because there is so much to learn, quite frankly, but you know, we're never going to learn it all. So, you know, choose the things that light you up, choose the things that set your soul on fire. The addiction, another one of the core pieces of that, I feel like is where it is, but the high, you talked about, you know, the high that comes from being surrounded by your amazing community, learning new skills. It's really exciting to learn new things and it's exciting to be seen and witnessed by people in our community who are doing that same thing. But if you're doing it again, jumping from workshop to workshop for that, that high experience, there are other ways to interact with your community. So noticing is that your version of a, you know, the high that you would get from substances or alternative or, you know, shopping or shoplifting, right? That's a thing too. Gambling. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else do we, what else do we see? You said you had two. You said you had two. Yes. Right. What, what was the other one? My other really big one was addiction to self-judgment. Mm. where this came up in the context of doing um, doing some medicine work. And I received a very, and this is, it's so amazing that the fact that, again, I noticed it and I'm still working on it. I'm not totally able to halt this self-judgment train immediately yet. And yet it's much better now, but I received a very tiny correction I wasn't hurting anything. I wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just a tiny little thing. And immediately I spiraled into this horrible self-judgment pit of despair. I was like, oh, I fucked up. I did everything wrong. And now everyone thinks I'm horrible. And I'm just making up all these stories about how I was a total failure because a mentor of mine had to tell me this one tiny little thing. And I was witnessing myself have this process, just watching myself beat myself up. And these thoughts looked like, I could see them, and they looked like these vines covered in razor blades, like these sharp, sharp flailing vines moving around. And I watched myself have these thoughts and, you know, quite literally like castigate myself with my thoughts. And I decided, wow, I do that a lot. I noticed and I thought back to anytime I do anything less than completely perfectly, I judge myself really hard. I judge myself more than anybody, you know, of course, as we all judge ourselves more than anybody else judges us. And, you know, it's, I think the flip side of that is this addiction to perfectionism. Right. So, you know, the addiction to doing everything perfectly and being an awesome healer and being totally qualified and expansive. But of course, there are things that I don't know yet. And yet I expect myself to do it perfectly. And when I don't, the other face of that appears and I judge myself very harshly. Yes, I think that's definitely one that will resonate with a lot of our people. Um, I I can I can totally resonate with that, too. you know, coming from a, you know, I mean, we're both, we're good at what we do, right? So when we, when we receive a correction, or we get like, you know, kind of schooled in some kind of way, we're like, Oh, God. (sighs) (sighs) Okay. Uh Okay. (laughs) 
So um, I can I can for sure feel you on that one, and mm -hmm. um, you know, and also I think like almost like an an, an addiction to kind of like know it all, right? Like <laughs> I've got to know it all, or I'm um, you know not. And, and also that coming from that worthiness, right? Like if I'm, I'm not worthy, if I don't know the answer to every damn thing that anybody's ever going to come up with or, or, you know, you know, all of these pieces. Um, right. And so what else do we see? You know, I see a, a lot in my clients, um, you know, cause I work with a lot of healers that, you know, even just the basic stuff, like we're still dealing with the stuff that everybody else is dealing with. We're still dealing with alcohol. We're still dealing with, um, you know, there are healers out there that are dealing with drug addictions that are dealing with, uh, you know, cannabis maybe, or mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, really? Like that, that habit of getting into something and then you become a healer and you're like still retaining that habit or utilizing, um, you know, oh, this is a big one for a lot of healers is utilizing a lot of, uh, you know, neurotropics and herbs and biohacking and uh, cannabis and, you know, superfoods, medicine, like med yeah. medicinal mushrooms and, and all of this stuff, like pumping so much into the system on a constant basis in order to feel at a certain level and to be like, well, I need that in order to work my magic, to enter a trance state, to do shamanic work. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I had this in the past. Um, I used to rely a lot. I still, I mean, I believe in and I, and I, and I love and, and um, I support doing supplements, herbs, mushrooms, like all of the things, right? But um, I know even like cannabis that was early on, like, cause it was such a fast for me. Like I could enter into a pure shamanic trance state so quickly um, that I would rely on it to do practices for a, quite a while. And I had to really look at that and be like, uh, okay, that's just silly. I don't actually need that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like that one can be really, really a tough unwind for people because we see it. Maybe it was something that really sparked our awakening, um, sparked uh, being able to do meditation or, or these different things. And then we become like habituated where if I don't have that, then I'm not going to be able to do this. And, um, you know, you can't really be doing all those things right before you go into a client session. It's just not energetic. Right. Yeah, I think another piece that is directly related to what you're bringing up is addiction to tools, to our tools that we use to do the work. That's something that I have caught myself on a couple of times that, uh, you know, I have a lot of tools. I have, you know, amazing crystals. I have a ridiculous quantity of crystals. I have tuning forks. I have my various sound healing implements. I have my essential oils. I have my animal essences. I have all this stuff that definitely it enhances and supports my healing practice and it you know I can count on my crystals to support me in doing the work while I'm working with a client's energies and yet me being a healer in absolutely no way is dependent upon having these tools I noticed 
um, I think the last time this came up for me was quite a while ago. I don't think it's come up since then, since I've really shifted around that relationship. But I noticed being called on to do some impromptu healing work at some point when I didn't have some of these tools on me and immediately having a little bit of anxiety of, oh, I don't have my thing that I always have with me to do this. So am I still going to be able to do the work? Is it going to work? And, uh, you know, it took me a second to notice that I was having this thought and check myself and say, oh, of course it's going to work because the healing is coming from me. The healing isn't coming from any of these things. They support the practice. That's another one that I absolutely see in, uh, in my clients, my mentorship clients a lot as they're especially delving into their work and learning to trust themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that I've had that too, where it's like, oh, you know, that kind of like looking around and being like, oh, I don't have that thing, like, yeah, you know, or, um, you know, having like, or, um, you know, sometimes we get really weird about like, oh, I don't have my power, you know, crystal, or we don't have my amulet on, I don't have this thing that's protecting me, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, and I've, I've totally been there where I've been like, oh, I forgot my oracle, I forgot my stone, I forgot my feather I forgot like all some kind of weird thing and then when you really drop into the work everything you have is is within you um you know uh and and even you know a lot of people get really reliant on reading cards and Mm -hmm. they don't need to actually read those cards after a while right it's like the they can be at a certain point you can be so present with somebody that you can actually do a reading without needing anything Um, and sometimes that piece is such an uncomfortable transitionary point to be able to move away from utilizing tools to Mm -hmm. just being with somebody and just letting it like taking the training wheels off and just letting yourself just completely be at the mercy of a spirit guiding you without all of the accoutrement that we we love. We love all the stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. I think that the training wheels is a great metaphor where, you know, we have, especially as we are learning and developing our intuitive practice or healing practice, we rely on in a certain way, we rely on these tools. But then, you know, as we continue to grow in our abilities, the next natural step is to take off the training wheels and really trust ourselves. I think the underlying core of a couple of these patterns that we've been talking about in terms of, you know, the addiction to the using the tools addiction to oh i require this certain supplement in order to be able to do this or work this way it comes from this again i keep going back to the self-love the self-love and sovereignty where when we fully love and trust ourselves and we are completely in alignment with who we are the i am and the i love myself it is so much easier for us to step away from these addictive patterns. Imagine for those of us who are doing this work to fully love and trust, and this is what I had to do in order to be okay not having my tools for a day, I had to claim my self-love and my sovereignty. I had to say, you know what, I am an amazing healer. I don't need those things. I love those things and I enjoy them. I don't need them because my work doesn't come from them, it comes from me. And in doing so, internalizing my sense of power, bringing it back to me rather than looking outside myself, looking at to something else to help me be bigger, just being as big as I am. Well, Michelle, and let's 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 
uh, then bring into that space, the same thing can be said when we become overly sort of addicted to reliant on our teacher, our mentor, um, becoming so focused on one person, on, you know, one modality, on one teaching, on one thing, that that is the only way that it's done, that anything else is not a is not valid that this is the only teaching i will ever follow and that works for some people but also we can get into uh you know negative or harmful uh power relationships with people who end up becoming more like a guru like a and more of the negative uh, aspect of that of that archetype mm -hmm. um where we're kind of losing that self-love and sovereignty into someone else and following someone else's word to without question without like self self inquiry and experimentation um you know I, I just had my retreat this weekend and i was like look you know someone was asking about something that someone you know a modality that they have been working with and this is how the modality is taught and this is what they tell you to do and basically it's telling is something that i'm saying completely different and um and i'm like you know i'm telling you all of these things like i have all this information and i know nothing so don't believe me don't believe you know this other person that's telling you this try try these things see what works for you see what resonates see what works for your clients play experiment uh you know ask for inner guidance ask for guidance from your higher self and your guides that you're working with on the spirit plane um mm -hmm. you know look other places and keep developing your truth keep developing what's really real for you not for me mm -hmm. yeah let's tune into some of the i mean i feel like we could list these different addictive patterns all day because there are so many right and uh, to our viewers watching, if you've got any that are jumping out at you that you feel like chatting in, please feel free. If not, that's totally fine. We're going to keep moving. I want to talk a little bit about, we've touched upon self-love and sovereignty, but why is it so important? I mean, aside from the obvious reasons that we recognize the addictive patterns, what are some of the implications for our healing work, for showing up in the world, and why do we really need to dig into these addictive patterns? What's the harm in having my crystals with me all the time? <laughs> well, I, I think that it, it, it doesn't allow, like we are looking to be as empowered as possible from our internal state of being. Um, because with that, we start to vibrate at a certain resonance. It raises our vibration. The more that we are completely in that sovereign self-love space, the more that that vibration is held and the more that when we come in contact with our, our clients, their vibration can now be raised to that same level. You know, really a lot about healing work is really holding your vibration at a certain, at a certain place so that when other people come in contact with you, they have the ability to shift their vibration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we just had somebody chat in, uh, Reliance, on dream work for integration is one of my self-soothing behaviors. Awesome, thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah, we have, you know, our practices can become addictive as well. But yeah, Kat, I think that's a super, that is a very relevant and awesome point about 
allowing ourselves to, uh, you know, to claim and fully step into the vibration that we want to hold for ourselves and others. What are some of the implications for humanity across the board? I don't know, I'm having this train of thought go about blueprinting now. Uh, you, we were referencing that person earlier who is looking at working with me and, um, and one of the reflections that, that I received from this person that I was really happy and grateful to hear was around, they said, I usually feel like the biggest person in the room, energetically. This person says, I hold so much energy, I hold so much space, usually I am the biggest person and I can't ever count on anybody to hold space for me, but I like you because you feel big, you feel really energetically huge and I can tell that there's room for me in your field. I received that reflection and I was so delighted because I've done a lot of work on doing that, on raising my vibration in order to be a resonant frequency for people to bring their vibration up to mine. And of course, you know, not to say that I'm at, like at the top of the vibration chain or whatever. I, I certainly can continue to raise my own and I meet people who are, who have done way more work for 50 years longer than I have, who I hang out with and I feel myself vibrating higher and higher. But really that's what we're doing is we're up leveling for ourselves, and we're creating space. We're holding space for other people to do that same work. Um, and when we talk about on, um, you know, on the global level is that we are, we are addictive creatures and, um, you know, the, I guess because of, uh, we are talking about addiction, we should just kind of place into the field, the, um, you know, all of the, the studies, you know, the st studies that were done in um you know in the i think it was the 70s when they did with the rats and they put them in the cage and they had the heroin water and they had the regular water and the rats would drink the water until they died and so they were like we are addictive creatures and if you have access to drugs you will kill yourself mm -hmm. um and that those studies uh pushed the war on drugs even further into uh reality and created uh, the prison systems that we have in certain kinds of ways helped to reinforce that uh, method of uh, belief around addiction until just recently with the, the rat park. And when you give rats everything they want and they have food and sex and friends and toys and room to play, they do not drink the drugs. They actually, even if they are highly addicted to drugs, when they join the rat park, they basically, uh, start playing and drinking regular water and they're not addicted anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in that we're, we're looking at how on a societal level that we have all of these addictions and are the addictions there because the things exist for us to be addicted to, or mm -hmm. are the addictions there because we have unresolved trauma, we have uh, broken families and broken social structures and these are the things that uh, as healers, we are helping people to move through. We are helping them move through trauma. We're helping them move through um, our, our wounded childhoods. We're helping them move through um, social phobias and fears and being able to make friends and find community and have relationships and how to have effective relationships with their partners and with their children. And when people start having those things, they become less and less reliant on 
their addictions to support them to have that self-soothing. They're finding the soothing someplace else. So we as healers have a large global implication to be able to shift the, the consciousness around addiction. And so if that is true, then we will be called into looking into the deepest layers and levels of our own addictive behaviors and, and traits. Absolutely. I love the rat park study. I wasn't familiar with that, but that makes total sense. That's awesome. Oh yeah. So it's a really amazing study. So if you, if you Google around on it, you'll see the rats and they're playing and, 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 um, you know, has been a huge breakthrough in, um, in the processes of addiction. Awesome. I love it. Let's all Google rat park together. <laughs> oh, right. It just sounds fun, right? Wow. So, huh? I want to go to rat park. Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> we have our own human version of Rat Park called Playing with Our Friends in the World. It's great. Who needs heroin when you have friends? <laughs> sounds like a horrible meme for a <laughs> kid drug campaign. You don't need heroin. You just need friends. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> So let's uh, talk into some of what are what are these tools? Let's uh, give people some ways that we can look at uprooting our own patterns of addiction. I'm this is something that I'm very currently working on right now as we speak, working on the addiction to suffering as part of the healing process and the addiction to self-judgment. I can tell you one of the things, and this comes up in pretty much every single episode, we talk about awareness. <laughs> Number one. It gets a gold star. Eventually, it should get its own episode about you know bringing awareness to these patterns is the first step to identifying and then shifting out of them. It was in those really punctuated moments, his really highlighted moments, when I was able to see how damaging, especially the addiction to self-judgment, actually see what my thoughts looked like, these really damaging, torturous, beliefs that I was inflicting upon myself that brought my awareness to it. And now in the intervening time, it's been about a month, a month and a half or so since that came up for me. And I've had plenty of opportunities since then to notice my patterns of self-judgment and notice my addiction to that pattern. Even if I can't pull myself out of it right away yet, I notice right away and I'm able to work through it more quickly. Amazing. Um, I would actually love to share a, um, a process that, um, I have worked with and that I've, um, had clients work with to success. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is especially good for, um, you know, for, you know, um, substances and things like that, like something tangible, but it also can work for other things that are sort of just addictions and distractions and things like that. And um, one, of, one of the main components of this is that we are starting to allow that this activity or the substance that it has an energy, that it is treated like a being and one that you can communicate with and you can receive information from so that you can know it and allow to start to realize like what's its function like why is it there why has it been serving you and then giving you a path towards letting it go because oftentimes when we're trying to release an addiction what we do is we're just like you're bad i hate you go away i'm not looking at you i'm throwing you away I, i'm not going to go around people who do this anymore i'm going to completely 
push you out of my life and I'm going to make you evil. And we can see this with people who are like, um, like crazy food Nazi people who are like, they don't even want to, they don't want to date you. They don't want to be around you. They don't want to be your friend. They don't want to let you come to their house. If you don't eat the same way that they do, like there's just like, there's like crazy, like super strident, uh, pushing things away. Mm -hmm. Um, and also we see that in sort of the, they talk about in AA, the dry drunk, who's kind of like, I haven't really done my work around why this was in my life or the healing work, but I just don't engage in that behavior. And, um, it, it often is like, they're still kind of in their wounds and in their shadow, but not really engaging in the behavior before. So, um, part of this process is really allowing yourself to sit into a meditative state to deeply breathe and relax and uh, follow your, your own breath into relaxation. And if it is a tangible item or you have a, a, some representation to even bring that into the space, say it's tobacco or cannabis or, or something, alcohol, that you bring it into the space, that you honor it, that you place it, you know, in a beautiful bowl on, on, uh, you know, an honored space, right? So that it is, you can elevate it to more of a like, oh, this is a real thing. This is a being and I honor you. I respect you for who you are. I mean, obviously you're powerful. Look at what you've done to my life. You've, you've totally infiltrated my life and done a lot of stuff. So going through the process of breathing into the earth, connecting deeply into the mother, being asking for support, asking for protection from your guides and angels and beings of light, breathing up and connecting to our higher self or our oversoul, um, and just requesting that this is a, is a container that is nurturing, safe, and protected, and asking for any kind of, of beings that you are um, connected to. So um, I'll just read this. I am rooted in my mother earth, fully connected to my higher self, and I call upon and invoke my guides and beings of light, which assist me in my healing and evolution. I'm here to work with my addiction of whatever it is, and I seek protection and guidance so that I more full, may more fully understand myself and liberate myself so that I may, whatever it is, what do you really want out of releasing this? Because there has to be a good reason, like be of great service to the world, be a better partner or a better parent, and I thank you for, for your assistance. And then start to have a dialogue with this substance or activity. Um, so you can do this in, in different ways where you're kind of having a conversation within your mind or you have the conversation out loud. And it's sort of like you're invoking this mediumship and channeling of this being and having mm -hmm. these questions. So you might go, oh, am I making this up? But just accept that this, everything that comes through is exactly what's supposed to come through. Even if it's just coming from your subconscious, it's going to have importance. Um, and sometimes you might just get images or feelings. You might have memories. Um, or you can also utilize this doing writing, like doing um, really, really good as sort of writing the question and then allowing the writing to come through from that substance or, or you know, energy, whatever that activity is. Um, you know, really asking these questions um, and, and digging more and more deeply. So I call upon the spirit of cannabis, tobacco, alcohol, 
porn and looking at porn all the time, being addicted to my phone to sit with me right now. And then asking these questions, why did you come into my life? What have I been getting out of this? What do I receive from our relationship? And ask for both the positive and the negative things to get as many answers as possible. Like you're just mining information. And when this one's really important, when did this seed, uh, action, experience, when did this get planted in me? Like, where does this come from? Does, you know, and sometimes we'll have this amazing memory of being six years old and being in our bed and like being scared and having this thing and being like, oh, okay, you came into my life to protect me. And that's mm -hmm. why I started, whatever, smoking cigarettes because tobacco is very protective. So you came into my life to protect me. All right. Now, you know, you might have really needed that thing then. And really asking, like, what is the lesson that I am to learn? And, you know, acknowledging that this is a teacher for you, that, that this has been a teacher, that it is here to teach you something about yourself, about something that you need to heal within yourself, and to allow that there is a lesson for you to learn from this. And also figuring, like, did you make a contract a spiritual soul level contract with this being. Did you make a contract? I will uh, honor you by smoking and buying tobacco and having you in my life and putting you in my body so that you are grown and you are produced on the planet and you gain strength energetically and you will protect me. You will energetically protect me because I won't have to feel my feelings as much. I, I will feel like, uh, you know, I have a protective shield. So what is the contract that we have created? And then how can I honor and complete this contract? So, um, and then to break the contract, it is an I and state the full name, break all contracts and remove and release all energetic cords, attachments and implants from substance i no longer accept this contract it is complete in the physical and the astral witnessed by my guides and angels i am a sovereign being and in full possession of my free will and from there you can start to write a new contract you know um that, that we're getting something new like if you know i'm getting power from this substance mm -hmm. and okay my new contract is that um, I am going to engage in this other activity that's going to make me feel, feel powerful. So now mm -hmm. I have, I'm, I have a list, a choice of activities that I can go to when I want to go do this thing. I'm actually going to go to this list. I have it on my wall. I'm going to go to this list of these other activities. Um, and I think... I think the protection is a really good example because a lot of people and, you know, people have their protection in different ways, but uh, either with the tobacco smoke or with having certain totems on you or, uh, or, you know, whatever it is that we utilize for protection, we get that asked a lot by our clients and students. And so maybe if you used to be a smoker or if you are addicted to, oh, I have to have my hematite in my pocket every time I leave the house, otherwise I'm going to have a horrible day, right? 
looking instead to, again, asserting your sovereignty. Kat, that was a beautiful prayer and invocation around I release all contracts with this. And instead, I get to assert my protection by being really fully in my power and whatever affirmation, for example, or whatever personal practice I do instead that is complete owning my power, internalizing my sense of self-worth, self-love, and sovereignty so that I am the source of my own protection rather than anything outside of me. Right. And for then sometimes just sitting with it, right? And being like, okay, I don't feel powerful right now. This is uncomfortable. And I'm okay. Yes. Kind of breathe through it and breathe through it and breathing through the experience of being uncomfortable and breathing through the experience of being six years old and being super scared and uncomfortable and needing something to protect me. And instead going in and doing that inner child work of soothing the self and being like, you're okay. This is uncomfortable, but you're totally okay right now. I got you. Mm. And I think the, the piece, the last piece that we want to make sure that we hit for this is really the gratitude that we are like, thank you. Thank you for communicating with me. Thank you for some of these positive things that you received from this thing. And, um, you know, being able to like have that gratitude and honor and um, sometimes maybe even engage in that with a different way. Like, okay, I've been in tobacco. Like now, um, instead of smoking, every time I want to smoke, I'm actually going to go and place tobacco on the earth and I'm going to say a prayer, mm -hmm. right? So that we're, we're starting to shift our, our interaction with a being that it has an energy, it has life force, especially these plant medicines, they have life force. And it's our responsibility to engage with them in a way that's going to serve us and our work in the world and not be something that is keeping us, keeping us, um, see, keeping us that back. And I want to just uh, say one thing about all of this practice and process is that if you feel like this is something that is actually unsafe for you to have a conversation with this being, then it's helpful to get someone, someone that you feel really safe with, a spiritual guide, a practitioner, somebody to sit with you and do this process with you. Um, and if you feel that you have sort of over-invited this being into your field and now you've gotten really like, ha, 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 um, go and shake your body all over for at least five minutes, take a shower, feel it being washed off your body and just say, I'm no longer communicating with this being. I ask for protection from my guides that are in the light who serve my highest and best. Only those that serve my highest and best help me break any contracts, implants, or other bonds that I may have ha that I may have with this being. So if it comes overwhelming, just really shaking it through, and and I am no longer communicating with this being right now. I am no longer communicating with this being. It is released from my body. It is released from my auric field, and it can be something that maybe you got some really good information. And now you have some good information about maybe some childhood stuff that maybe needs to be worked through or some inner uh, awareness stuff that uh, you can now start to address on a deeper level, maybe with the help of someone else or through the practices that you already know. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Wonderful, wonderful practice. So with that, I think 
Yeah, that's we left you with a lot there. So there's a lot to absorb there. To wrap up, go ahead and have a look in your own patterns. Look through your own ideas and just start noticing. What are you doing compulsively? What are you doing ritualistically? What are you doing because you don't like being uncomfortable? I am a huge fan of cultivating a great comfort with discomfort. It's really, really valuable to know how to be uncomfortable and to be okay, rather than looking to, oh, I need to fix this immediately. I need to not feel this way. So start, start with some of that as well. Notice like, okay, what do I need to do in order to be okay while I am uncomfortable? That's a really valuable tool as well. The, uh, the ritual practice and the, uh, the clearing practice, we upload all our videos, of course, onto our YouTube channel, Shaman Sister Sessions. So if you'd like to go back and have another listen to that amazing affirmation, that wonderful prayer, you can go ahead and do so there. You are also entirely welcome, as always, to reach out to us via our email address, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. You can find our Facebook page as well, Shaman Sister Sessions. And if you are interested in working with either or both of us, please let us know. Kat and I love doing this healing work independently, also together, and we are offering a three-session package if you would like to work one session with me, one session with Kat, and one with us together. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for showing up to do this work. This addiction work is totally rich and very full of very illuminating energies and experiences. It's not necessarily the easiest or the sexiest thing to, in the world to do in the healing fields. And yet it's absolutely vital, as we talked about, for not only us, but for all beings on this planet and others. So from one seeker to another, thank you. Kat, always a pleasure. Thanks, Michelle. Mm -hmm. I will uh, see you soon. Yay. Bye.